Jesus says, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who are humble will be exalted. Would you please pray? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Throughout the Gospels, people are forever asking Jesus about this thing called the Kingdom of Heaven. What does it take to get in? Who will be there? When will it happen? And whenever Jesus is asked about the Kingdom of Heaven, do you know what he compares it to most often? A wedding. I love weddings. I love getting to spend time with a couple as their special day gets closer and closer. I love working with families in terms of making the wedding ceremony as special and as faithful as possible. I love being invited into this profoundly holy moment at the altar of marriage and bringing two people into an everlasting covenant. But more than all of that, I love weddings because they are about as close as we can get to heaven on earth. During the months leading up to a wedding, while I'm working on premarital counseling sessions and the homily and the order of worship, the couple has a lot of work to do as well. They have to procure a reception location, they have to taste the hors d'oeuvres in the main course, and they have to find that perfect DJ. But perhaps the most difficult and taxing requirements prior to the wedding are the guest list and the seating arrangements. Nearly every couple I've married has struggled with who to invite and where they should sit. Does that uncle no one has seen in years warrant an invitation? And what about your cousin's ex-wife? Maybe we should just send her an invitation to be nice, but if she shows up, where can we put her? And where in the world are we going to put the pastor and his wife, and now the baby? At one wedding, in fact, Marshall Kirby was at this wedding, I rushed through rehearsal under the blistering sun, and everyone was remarkably thankful when I stopped talking. Because the wedding was out of town, we were invited to a rehearsal dinner, and upon arrival, Lindsay and I did not know where to sit. There was clearly an area for the bridal party, so we avoided that table, and we decided to sit at a table right in the middle of the room. Like an awkward moment in a middle school cafeteria on the first day of school, we waited to see who would sit next to us. But as family members and friends entered the room, the father of the groom, Marshall Kirby, stood up and thanked everyone for coming to support his son and soon-to-be daughter-in-law. And then he pointed right over at me. And he said, now everyone, this is my pastor. And the young woman sitting next to him is his wife. So all you young men, you eligible bachelors, you need to stay away from her tonight. Because Taylor, he's got the power to send you to heaven or send you to hell. The room erupted in laughter at the joke, and it was pretty funny. But no one, and I mean no one, sat next to us after he said that. Jesus was once invited to the house of a leader of the Pharisees, and he was being watched closely. When he arrived, he noticed how particular people chose to sit in places of honor, and he used the moment to teach about the kingdom of God. When you get an invitation to a wedding, do not sit in places of respect and honor. Someone might come up to you who is more distinguished and important, and they will take your place. You will then have to disgracefully move to the reject table 
Instead, go and sit at that reject table from the beginning, so that when your host comes by, he may call you to a greater table. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. There is almost always a strange moment at wedding receptions when all the guests stand in line at a poster or some other Pinterestly designed labeling system for where each of us will be sitting. At another wedding, after preaching and leading the ceremony, Lindsay and I got in line with everyone else to find our names and our corresponding table. I started at the top left and I went through everyone's names and the further I went down the list, I knew that we literally knew no one there except the bride and the groom and I wasn't hoping for anything special. But when my eyes finally made it all the way to the bottom of the list, I knew that we were assigned to reject you know the one I'm talking about, the table where you send the odds and the ends, that strange second cousin that you had to invite but you hope doesn't get too drunk, that piano teacher from a decade in the past, and that weird friend your mother insisted on inviting but who always kind of drove you crazy, that reject table. When we made our way to the very far back corner of the room, it only took one glance to confirm our suspicions that it was, in fact, the reject table because no one was talking and none of the people there knew anyone else at the table. At every other table in the reception area, conversations were flowing and laughter was breaking out, but at the reject table, it was silent. And in the silence, you could almost sense the recognition of our own reject status, but the nail on the coffin was when the pastor and his wife pulled out chairs to sit down. Because at a wedding, if I sit at your table, guess what? You're part of the rejects. At first, we just further perpetuated the silence by sitting there awkwardly and fumbling with our cell phones and such, until I decided to break the ice and compliment the camouflage koozie that was keeping a beer cold in the hand of who I can only imagine was a very, very distant cousin. I said something stupid like, man, I could barely even tell you were drinking a beer. You know, because it's camouflage. <laughs> and at first, he didn't respond, either because the joke wasn't funny at all, or because he was unsure of how to speak to a pastor about a camouflage beer. But when Lindsay laughed at my foolish attempt to be funny, the whole table seemed to take a collective breath, sit back and relax. And from that first, albeit strange, compliment, a conversation began to percolate and eventually spilled out over the whole table. And within 10 minutes, we were probably the rowdiest table in the entire room and were regularly being shushed by the other guests while the speeches were being made at the front. We didn't care that we couldn't see the bride and the groom at their table in the front. We didn't care that we were the very last table called to go through the buffet line. We didn't care that we were the misfits at the reject table. Instead, we were just happy to be there at all. From the humility of the reject table, we were exalted to the joy of a real wedding celebration. Jesus spoke to the people gathered together to teach them about the virtues of humility. And in telling them the parable of the wedding banquet, he was not just assigning them to be humble at weddings, but in all aspects of life. To live the kind of selfish and exalted life of the best table is to forgive.
forget that we depend on God. It is to believe we are in control of our own lives and that we have the power to save ourselves. It is a fundamental lack of trust that the Lord will provide. Humility, on the other hand, is an unselfish way of living. While depending on the Lord, it is to believe that our lives are not our own and that only God has the power to save. It is a fundamental trust that the Lord will provide. And Jesus doesn't just leave it at that. He pushes everyone there to go even further. Whenever you're invited somewhere, be humble. But whenever you're the host, do not invite people with the expectation that they will provide the same courtesy. Don't invite your family and your neighbors and your rich friends, assuming they will do the same. Instead, invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind. Invite the people you would otherwise ignore, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you. This is a tough commandment for all of us, but even tougher for those soon-to-be-married couples, because most of them would never dream of omitting an invitation to a family member, or friends, or those rich relatives who give the best wedding gifts. They would never dream of inviting strangers and outcasts and rejects to their wedding feast and celebration. The marriage of Christ with Christ's church is a wedding celebration that all of us have been invited to. We are here in the midst of worship, worship that is the wedding of God with God's people, and none of us should have been invited. We can never repay the kind of kindness of God's invitation. We are unworthy to sit in any of these pews, the front and the back, and we fail to be obedient to the kind of love that we experience here week after week. Yet we are invited. We are invited to the reject table. Jesus Christ invites us to this place to celebrate the great victory over death, the resurrection of glory, and the reconciliation of all things. And that's different than just being included. Jesus doesn't include us here. He invites us. Many churches love to claim and proclaim their inclusive. Inclusive is a buzzword in the church, and you'll find it on every church website and every church bulletin you come across. We so desperately want to appear welcoming and inclusive with the hope that it will draw people into this wedding celebration called the church. But being inclusive is lazy. Because being inclusive does not require us to do anything at all but sit here, stare at open doors, and hope that people will show up. Jesus did not lead an inclusive ministry. What Jesus led was a ministry of invitation. Much like being invited to a modern wedding celebration, Jesus actively went out seeking others to draw them into the party. He met them where they were and invited them to come join him on the way that leads to life. His ministry was about breaking down labels and barriers and constructs that people were isolated into gathering all of the so-called rejects together to celebrate the glory of God at a wedding. Our Lord invites all, without expectation and without assumption. God Almighty knows our sin and our failures and still sees potential in us. The Lord meets us where we are through the words of worship and the words of our friendships. The 
great story of Scripture from this passage in Luke's Gospel to the entire thing, Old and New Testament both. It's not about God waiting for us to show up, but God's great work to find and transform us where we are. Sitting at the reject table it comes at a cost. It means being surrounded by people we do not know, people we probably don't agree with, and people who might drive us crazy. It requires a tremendous amount of humility and trust and faith. It's also the way that we get invited to the party. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Would you all please join me in prayer? Ah. Almighty God, help me and help all of us to remember that Jesus did not build a building, put up a marquee, open the doors, and wait for people to come. Help us to remember, O oh Lord, that being inclusive is not nearly enough. And help us to remember that what Jesus did was go and find people and say, Come, follow me. The Lord, give us the strength to follow you, which means being humble, being vulnerable, and being willing to invite others discover what it means to follow you. Amen. As God has gathered us together and God has proclaimed God's faithful word, we respond to that great word. We respond to the invitation we heard long ago or recently by giving of our tithes and our offerings. To ushers, come receive our gifts.
your church. We give you thanks for the invitation that you have shared with each of us to come celebrate and join together with you and your Son and your Spirit. We pray, O Lord, that you might bless and keep these gifts of our tithes and our offerings and bless this community by them, that our church will always stand as a place where people will be invited to discover your love in their lives now and forever. Please join me in affirming our faith using the Apostles' Creed as found in your I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven. And sit at the right hand of God, Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Our final hymn is number 571 Go Make All Disciples. Let us sing together.
give you the strength and the courage and the humility to invite others to discover the invitation that was first offered to you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever.